So this, uh, this weekend, we, um, we begin Advent, so we thought it would be appropriate to jump back to the beginning of this book, which takes us first to the birth of Jesus and then a little bit, a little bit more about the story of, of Jesus' birth with uh, some time spent on Joseph and the wise men and then Herod. Um, so today we've got chapter 1. The story of Jesus' birth, Luke chapter 2. Um, how many of you read it? Not to embarrass anyone, but... Okay. Okay, that, 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 <laughs> that's all that really matters. So you've read Luke 1 to 20. Okay, so the, uh, for those of you who didn't read the chapter, that's, that's just fine. It gives me even more to talk about then. Um, the, what, what Kenneth Bailey does is tries to refute... It's, and I think that this, that's probably the best word to use. He tries to refute some of the common traditional ideas we have about the nativity story. Um, and there are, uh, there are maybe five main points that he makes. But I think in, in order to, to tackle this, ch- this chapter, what I'd like to do is um, spend some time thinking about what the traditional view of the nativity story is, what, your, what kind of preconceptions you have, how you picture it, when you hear it, um, and I'd also, I brought uh, a DVD. In 2006, there was this movie, The Nativity Story. I don't know, how, did, it, did any of you see it? No? Okay, great. I haven't seen, I saw, I just watched the part of it that I want to show to you, which is the very end. Uh, it won't ruin it for you since you know how the story ends, anyhow. <laughs> What's that? The, the movie, The Nativity Story? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, you saw it. Um, so, so, here's what we're going to do. We'll start, I'll, I'll read the text for you, and then um, maybe we'll pause and think for just a moment about some of the main features that come to mind when you picture the story in your head. Then we'll watch the film and see how that compares, and then we'll talk about what Kenneth Bailey says and how that compares. Sound good? Okay. <laughs> she, dis- <laughs> she disagrees. <laughs> All right. Now, one of the things they, t- they teach us at the seminary is that when, you, when it comes to reading Luke chapter 2, you should always read it from the King James Version of the Bible. Um, no, I, I don't, but uh, it's, probably the most, it's probably the most familiar. It's really loud. Does that sound really Okay. I can't talk when I'm echoing. Is that, is that any better? Okay, can you still, am I still amplified? Okay, all right, good. Don't tell John I did that. All right, so we'll just start, I'll, I'll read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, you all know it really well, but as I'm reading it, think about the, um, think about the main impressions and pictures that come to mind when you hear the nativity story, um, and then we'll, we'll spend a little time talking about it. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went up to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, 
to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told, concerning, told them concerning this child. And all that they heard, and all they that heard it, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. All right, so it's a real general question. What are some of the, the pictures, impressions that come to mind when you hear the story? The most prominent features, what stands out? Angels, okay. Great with child. Great with child, good. <laughs> yeah, Marilyn. Okay, all right. And, you know, we never see it that way. So now, the, the, the way that you used to think about it before it was debunked, you saw a picture of a stable. Yeah. What, did that, what does that look like? A barn. A barn, okay. A or A, maybe. Sure, sure, okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It could have been the next day. First, right. Were people up at that time of night? Yeah. Those angels disturbed those sheep. And that's <laughs> the shepherds. Yeah, that's good. Good question. <laughs> we don't, we don't, I mean, so we hear, we hear the shepherds in their fields at night. Um, and we become so familiar with it that we just don't think about the, <laughs> the details. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about like you know, like two unprepared Mary is really young, but be unprepared, you know, yeah. no, no clothes for the baby, not not having your mom or a nurse near midwife nearby. I mean just like how scared and Sure. You know, and just unprepared to be that unprepared would be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, that's definitely there's a sense of urgency, a sense of uh, a sense of rushing. We just don't she's not she's not the child is all of a sudden going to be here. And she was only a teenager, so that would yeah. make things even more expected. Yeah. 
Okay, so now I'm going to play this uh, about seven minutes of this film for you. And um, I think this is the best way to do it. So we'll see how this corresponds to um, your impressions, and then we'll talk about what, Ken what Kenneth Bailey says. I didn't. I didn't know much about it. I, I watched it, that scene for the first time yesterday, and I thought, I thought it was really nice, really nice depiction. Um, but let's spend some time talking about what, uh, how that compares with what you think, what you what you what what we hear from the text, and what you imagine in your own imagination of the story. Right. I wanted to hear what yeah. 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 Nothing miraculous. Sure. Nothing sublime. They didn't fall down in a faint and scared to death. I see when you see angels, whenever anybody in the Bible sees an angel. It's, they're terrified. <laughs> you don't walk towards the angel, usually. Uh, I thought it was uh, well depicted by how a shepherd... I never thought of, you know, shepherds are low class. Yeah. And I, I guess I didn't like, really think much about it, but seeing their shepherds and then remembering that Jesus came to, you know, the, the lowest... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's one. I think that's one of the most helpful points that Bailey makes, is is saying that the good. So the the good news that the angel gives to the shepherds is the sign. This shall be the sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths, in a manger. So that puts the baby in this lowly estate that's at the same level as the shepherds. And I, I thought, you know, I, the reason we watched it to that point is because when, when I was watching it, the scene, the scene where the shepherd reaches out and touches Jesus, that is phenomenal, I think. It's really, really cool. Um, it makes you think, think twice or three times about the little baby Jesus, you know, and, and reaching out and touching him. So, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so the, here's an interesting... I don't, I, I don't know if you saw when the, when the wise men were looking at the star, there were three lights that came together. Yeah. So the director, or the, the, the screenwriter, um, was th there are all kinds of theories about the star. And so his, uh, what he went with was that there's this juxtaposition of um, one star that the Babylonians identified as, as with some... some trait, and then the, the planet Venus, and then um, I think it may have been Mercury. I can't remember. But the, so, so the theory that he went with was there's this juxtaposition of these three stars, and so there was a special light at this time. Um, I, don't, I don't know about, about that, but that's what he was trying to, trying to depict there. Yeah. Um, it was usually, like in the songs and everything, you think of three kings, but they really weren't. They were magi. They were kind of like learned men, and they yeah. had like a whole... Entourage, which you you know when you see the little 
you put the thing under your Christmas tree. Here's just the three guys with traps. Yeah, right. So, I mean, but that was a lot more realistic. You know, they're dirty, they're tired, they're traveling, they're, you know. Yeah. It makes it a lot more real than, you know, the little plastic guys under the tree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the great, one of the, one of the values of, the, of a, a film like this is that it, we tend to think of things um, in terms of the figures or pictures that we have, which, tend, which I think oftentimes make it less and less real. Less real than perhaps if somebody tells the story in a lively way, and also less real than if we, if we watch a film, maybe. It's one of our advantages of this day and age. Mary. Um, I found it wonderful. Um, only from my perspective to hear his first cry. Because hmm. I was sitting around here thinking, you probably have heard the first cry, and it has been all of us since that time. When my daughter Erin was born, I didn't hear it all. And just for him to be miraculously healthy, and her healthy. Yeah. And I don't want this to be a cut down tree. Joseph knowing what to do. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a good man. He's Joseph the Just. That, we'll hear about that next, next week. Right? I have one question. Did Joseph and Mary really love each other? Well, or did they just, it was an arranged marriage and they kind of grew into it? So that, that's a big part of the backstory of the, the first part of the film, from what I understand, is Mary, that they were betrothed. So that, okay, so now here's. Kenneth Bailey talks about this, how a lot of our traditional views, <laughs> depictions of the story, come from a, uh, a, a, what's a pseudepigraphal writing, um, something that was written by, according, according to the writing, it was written by James, the brother of Jesus, but it's not authentic. The second century is when it shows up. Um, but there we hear a little, so that, that writing, which is legend, it's just legend, um, it's not scripture, it tells about Mary's youth and her dedication in the temple and her relationship with Joseph. And so this movie really borrows heavily from that. In fact, when, when we first see Mary and Joseph um, in the clip that we saw there, and Mary says, the child is pressing, that's a, a direct quotation from this pro, uh, proto-evangelium um, of James. So, so the story about Joseph and Mary... They were betrothed, they weren't married, um, and it was an arranged thing. Uh, so we, that's, all, that's all we know. Um, this, this, the movie would have you believe that Mary didn't really love him until he demonstrated his, I mean, until he delivered the baby and <laughs> that she, you know. So anyway, uh, I don't, I don't we, can't, we can't say too much more than that with certainty, but yes. Right, and, and in fact, the text says, "While they while they were there, her days were accomplished." Uh, and so, this is another another thing that you get from that that um, unauthentic writing is that they were rushing into into town. And there's also a, he Bailey pointed out there's a variation, a variant in one of the Greek texts from the fifth or sixth century, which says uh, which gives that sense of urgency or immediacy, but. That's it's a, a minor source. Yeah. I was at 
Sure. Right. <laughs> it would make a lot of sense if they're already heading yeah. to the census to be counted, like that they would have planned ahead and right. gotten there right. with enough time. To so that so that's one of the, the main uh, refutations is that we we tend to think about it as being a little bit more exciting, you know. That, so <laughs> before you have children, you always think, oh, it's gonna. It's going to happen in an instant. We're going to rush to the hospital. I'm, not, I'm going to forget everything. No. So it, it, do, it does. Right. So, you know. Um, so that's one thing. And then also, especially for, for, to just to fill out what the rest of Kenneth Bailey says, um, uh, there was such a strong sense of family and uh, community that the, the depiction of Joseph walking around knocking on doors and nobody being around, nobody caring... Um, Kenneth Billy says that's not likely. It's, in fact, jo- all Joseph would have to do is walk into Bethlehem and say, I'm of the lineage of David, and that would, then he would be treated like family. Um, but why wasn't he, though? About, you know, like, why, did, why was there no room in the end? Because there wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't. <laughs> I mean, if everybody's lineage of David is, is coming, it's like the, I was going to say, the... Sure. There at one yeah. Time and yeah. Just no it was just a tiny little town, right? Yeah. And I just love Bailey's version that they were better off. They were staying with the family. The yeah. Thing was, you know, the extra people had this extra room, but they actually were in with the, with the host family. They had the and the best bed. Right. So, so the so the typical architecture for a, a basic house would have been one main room where the family lived, and then perhaps a guest room, which which is what the word "in" means in this case a guest room either above or aside the, that main room, and then a sloping floor down to an entry, like a mud room, an entryway where, that, where they would bring the cattle, the animals into at night, um, and then there would be a feeding trough at that point, a, a manger. So, um, so yeah, they were, they were staying with the families. Made out of rocks, not wood. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's right. Right. Um, they weren't they weren't in the guest room, but they were they were with people. I mean, they weren't just in an uninhabited. They weren't just in a barn where there was nobody around to help out. At least that's that's Bailey's argument. Yeah. What's the difference between the definition of a stable and a manger? Because that's what they So this, so so for I mean, if in our terms, a stable would be where the animal a stands. Barn. Barn. Yep. And the manger is what the animal eats from. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I was thinking maybe there's no room in the inn, like when, before I, you know, was getting into this, was because they weren't married. Maybe See, it was a bit of a shame thing, and you're not bringing, you know, not right. you made your bed go somewhere else, too. I wondered that myself. So the question would be whether the people in Bethlehem would know. And... Um, in fact, this is one of the things that drew me. Exactly. And so they come into town and they say, who's this gal? She, she must be your wife. And he says, well. Okay. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Okay. Yeah. That, ask that to... That, that, 
I don't, I don't know that. Um, in, the, in this not authentic writing about the story, um, Joseph is traveling from, from traveling on account of the census, and he's, he wonders to himself, who shall I say Mary is? Shall I say she's my sister? Should I say she's my daughter? Um, but uh, but the, the question is, uh, so were they married when they arrived in Bethlehem? Um, that's a really good question. Because if they weren't married, I think it would have caused, would have caused some problems. In, so there's this pseudepigraphal writing. Uh, the Proto-Evangelium of James is what it's called. It shows up in the 2nd century, or that's when it's dated. So like 150. So, you know long after the Gospels are written. And um, it's an account of Mary's youth and, and then her betrothal to Joseph. But it's just, it's just legend. Just that, that's like the other story in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, yeah. yeah. And, so, yep. Sure. Right. Okay, good. That's a, a, I mean, it's something for us to, for, to, to think about that I don't think Kenneth Bailey handles. He doesn't, he doesn't address it at all. Okay, well, yes. Right. And then he said he did his, I'm sorry, you had said this already, mm. but he said then he did as the angel commanded. Right. Yeah, I, I, so I, when I when I wonder if um, he's when he when he doesn't fear to take him take her as his wife, if it means he didn't break off the betrothal. Um, so that's that's the, that's the only way that that I could read that as still saying that they're not married yet. But uh, but I, I think it's a, a le- legitimate question. Yeah. Yeah. And so once they became betrothed, it was like they were married. I think there was a year's time that normally passed, but this wasn't something you walked away from by handing back the ring. Right. Like we do here in the U.S. This was an altogether different yeah. kind of thing. And you get the idea from Matthew that then there was no qualms on, on his part. Ceremony sooner than the year. Sure. Yeah, that, that, that could well be. Yep. Yeah. Well, having just been in the Holy Land, it looks like that. It, I, I think it was filmed in, in Judea. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, re- no, real, it's like a whole bunch of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of rocks. A whole bunch of hills. <laughs> the end films, the, you think of these ends as being like ends like we would think, like, oh, little roadside ends. You're right, yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that church where the church of the nativity, and then you go, if you go up to that Lutheran church, yeah. did you walk it? It's steep and long and hard, and uh, so it, it was a hard walk. Yeah, it was a long walk. Yeah, Carl. I'm not afraid that we need, could do a long walk. We need doctors. Yeah, yep. Especially if you're pregnant. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, um, let's see. What else does... I had some questions written down. Okay, so now, did we cover all the main points that Bailey... I mean, he, he emphasizes that Joseph would have had, would have had um, his lineage to appeal to when he went into town, and that women would have always been assisted in childbirth regardless of the circumstances. So even if, even if they weren't married, she would have been helped in her by childbirth. The by, by the women, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He seemed he seemed a little too comfortable with that. Um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, and now, also, th- so Joseph would have had time to make preparations. No late night arrival, imminent birth. Um, and also the so then the, also the house how the house was arranged how what it, what it meant for the baby to be laid in a manger in a, a little hole in the rock where, that was still a part of the house but the, the animals were there to eat um, you know one of the one of the um, points that's made is that the animals were brought into the houses to keep the houses warm it, which reminded me I was just speaking to Pat Jennings and he was telling me about uh, a construction project I think that he was working on in Iowa and it was a three story house. And they, had all, they brought all the animals into the first story, and the people lived in the two stories above. He said it stank to high heaven, but, uh, <laughs> but it, was, it kept the place warm. Yeah. Well, this is still, you can still find this in rural Switzerland. Oh, yeah? Okay. I mean, this is how they live sure. in rural Switzerland. Sure. They don't have extra bonds. Good. Yeah. It's, it's economical if you can, if you can stand it. Um, okay, so now one one point that I, that I'd like to emphasize. This is the I think the the key theological point that I get out of what Kenneth Bailey writes. Um, we tend to picture the sort of the urgency and the immediacy and the the struggle of trying to find a place to stay and deliver the baby. We try we tend to picture these things as a part of Jesus' humiliation or a part of his humility. So he wasn't he couldn't even. He, couldn't, he, he was rejected by people before he was even born, that kind of a thing. But we, we were told when we were kids that the squabbling course was because he was too poor to have real clothes, but actually everybody did they, it. Everybody did it, yeah. And, which, and so what this does is it points, to, it points us to the fact that Jesus' humiliation is not, um, not in particular the way he's born, but the fact that he is born. The fact that he's a little tiny baby and does all the things that a baby does, um, and relies completely on his parents. That's, that's the humiliation of Jesus, that he became a man, which I think is a helpful thing for us to remember. It's, not, um, it's, it's enough for God to become man. He doesn't have to become you know, the, the poorest baby in Judea. You know? Right. 
he was just a normal, a normal person. Yep. And the fact that if he had not been taken care of, the shepherds would have taken the whole family home with him. Yeah. Them. I mean, that was. That's. I, I think it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I thought the shepherds were boys, young men without a family usually. Hmm. <laughs> You're on to something, Carol. <laughs> okay, so now what I'd like to think a little bit about is if we, if, we have to, if we have to sort of change our view, which Bailey says we do. He says you have to think about it differently. In fact, we should rewrite all of the Christmas pageants. In fact, he, he rewrote one. Um, so for one, do we have to do that? Do we have to think about it differently? And two, if we do... What does that? What does that mean? What? What does that? How does that influence us, or how does that impact us, um, in the way we think about Christmas? You know, there's some of us here that grew up with those Sunday school pictures at LCMS. Yeah. We just, you know, just do away with those. I mean, it sounds like we have to, and the nativity that we put up in our house, we have to (laughs) chuck it, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's. It's. I mean, that raises a really interesting question. Um, about uh, you know so so much of so much of the script of scripture is is um, is is cultural so you know the fact that um, when so in a couple of weeks I'm preaching on um, Matthew three where where John the Baptist says the axe is laid to the root of the tree and he Jesus is standing there with his winnowing winnowing fork in his hand so the wheat has been threshed and he's going to let the chaff blow away. And that was a really potent image for farmers. Um, it's less potent for us. It's just, it's just a fact. Uh, so there's two ways we can do, you know, handle that. We can think about the, the context and try and put ourselves in that frame of mind so that we understand the images, or we can translate it. And I think that that may be what has, what has happened in this game of telephone. Maybe it's, I mean, it's certainly not a sinister thing. It's been... Um, you know how do how do we understand Jesus' birth in the in our you know the way that so that so that it looks to us the way it would have looked to them? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So now the challenge in, in all of this is to maintain the integrity of Scripture and the, and the accuracy of Scripture because we we never go beyond what Scripture tells us or you know never change it. Sure. <laughs> what he wants us to know is that Jesus was born in humility and in all the circumstances that he told us. Right. That's what he wanted us to know. Yep. They're helpful, but they're not not the not the center. Yep. Carol. Right. I can go back to my grandparents or great grandparents. Mm-hmm. I mean, born in the home or whatever, it was totally different. This was the 
just ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. And but for a great star and, and angels, angels, yeah. Angels, <laughs> nobody would have, other than Mary and Joseph. That's, yeah, absolutely. So in some sense, so in some sense, if we were to translate it culturally, it would take place in a hospital. That's a bizarre nativity scene, though. Probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. Right, right. It's very interesting. He would have his bag packed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. You've answered all my questions. So, do you have any any other thoughts or questions? Yes. Sure. Yeah. That's why I. That's why it was nice that he cried when he when he was born. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Those are kind of, they kind of creep me out. Kinda. Yeah. I always thought, like, when growing up with the story is, you know, everybody said, oh, they're so poor, but they really weren't. It was just, they were just working class, mm-hmm. but they got thrown into bad circumstances. It's not that that if she would have been home, that she wouldn't have had all the help anyway ready for her. It was because they had to go to St. Elizabeth's Dispensary. Right. So it was just like bad timing. I don't know. I well, thought, but they always sit there and say, oh, they're so poor. And I'm like, well, they weren't homeless. They have to go because the government told them to. Yeah, and, and in order to fulfill prophecy, too. Jesus needed right. to be born in Bethlehem. Right. But, but you always kind of felt like, but, you know, you always see, like, oh, they're so lonely. They're, you know, born in a stable. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of money, but they weren't. Like the shepherds, I always thought were like like the poorest of the poor, and they weren't. Really, sure. That's what made the story so tragic is that they didn't. If, if, if things didn't play out certain ways, they it wouldn't have been so tragic. You sure. Know, they, you know, instead of being born on the highway in the you know in the car on the way to the hospital, they could have made it to the hospital. Where you know at the hospital. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll stop there. Um, next week will be chapter two, so you can uh, you can ponder these things in your hearts, and uh, we'll talk about Joseph next week. Carol? Okay, hey, yeah, go go for it. Go ahead and plug. I have a not a well, it's a plug. Christmas sharing announcement. Um, I'll work backwards next week after Bible class. Anyone that was to come down and help us get everything ready for the evening, please come down. There will we don't have any more uh, childcare, so that might be a consideration. That's Friday. Um, this Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Any of you that are free, we need four or five maybe people to help us. That's when we go pick up the 
the schools, the three schools. It's fun, easy job. Basically, we hold the doors open for the kids to bring everything out. We kind of have to grab things once in a while when they drop them. And got a couple guys to help load the truck. But if you're free and you want to be around excited kids for about an hour and a half, who do you meet? Meet here at 9.15. 9.15 on Tuesday. On Tuesday. And then um, we need, we still need food. If, Is there anything in particular yeah. you need? Food, food. <laughs> real, real food. We need uh, canned vegetables, canned fruit, meals in a can like beef stew and stuff like that, or the bill, the chunky soups that would be considered a meal. Um, canned meats, chicken, tuna, whatever. Probably can need some more hot or cold cereal, uh, peanut butter, basically. Fruits, vegetables, meat. What about empty food? What? What about empty food? We have enough. We, we might need some, but that's not, that's not the, the big thing. It's more. And we are really short on canned tomatoes. So add that in, in your thoughts. All right. Thanks, Carol. Yeah. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.